Good morning. It's a good morning, isn't it? It is a good day today. Take your Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we're in the middle of a series discussing what is the character of God? What is his nature? Who is he? Many of us have these presumptions, expectations about God, but when we look at it biblically, we begin to understand his entirety and his being, who he is, his different attributes and characteristics. And when we know that, it changes us and it allows us to seek him better, understand him better, and really begin to make those applications in a deeper, more practical way. And so over the course of the last several months, we've been dealing with different aspects. One of them, and really we're going to go full circle this morning, is his knowability. God is knowable. What does that mean? You can know him, which is different than any other belief system in the world. Every other religious system says you have to perform in order to get favor. Christianity says you have to come in order to get relationship. You come to him, he saves you, he makes you, he's changing you. That's a good thing, right, guys? There's no performance here. It's just you and Jesus. We've dealt with his unchanging nature. God is the same as he was in the New Testament, the Old Testament, as he is in 2023. God is jealous for you. What does that mean? When you and I stray from the path and direction God wants us to be on, he's jealous for that because he knows that the best path, the righteous path, the path he would have you take is the one that is perfect for you. That's jealous. That's a good jealousy, right, guys? Not only is all that, he's wise. You and I can be wise at times, right? But the thing is, in his wisdom, he is completely and totally righteous and perfect. We dealt with his wrath last week, which was incredibly uncomfortable. And we'll walk through that a little bit again this morning. We dealt with his sufficiency and the fact that he is sufficient for all of our needs. He's sufficient in power, in perfection, in direction, in purpose. And we get to reap the benefits of that. Now, this morning, we're going to go to the obvious one. In 1 John chapter 4, at the very end of this verse, in verse 8, there's a little phrase there. It's mentioned twice in chapter 4 of 1 John. And it's the way we identify God over and over and over again. Look at the very last part of verse 8. It said, God is what, church? Love. Let's say that again. God is what? Love. Love. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Like Forrest Gump, I know what love is. But do we really? I posed this question about 20 years ago. I was sitting in a room full of middle school students, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. If you want to get honesty, ask them a question, and they'll give it to you. You, you better get ready, though, uh, because you might not like some of the answers. But I'll never forget the answer. I asked these kids, I said, what is love? And I remember this one little girl, she had to be about fifth grade. She stood up in the middle of this auditorium, and she said, this is love. When somebody gives you the eye. I'm still waiting on love. Uh, <laughs> I ask other people, what is love? And somebody said, it's a juicy cheeseburger from Casey's downtown, right? Hey, right? You know what I'm talking about, some of you. I was like, what is love? Well, love for me yesterday was opening up all my windows in my house and letting the cool air come in, having three cups of coffee, eating a pizza and then a steak and watching Georgia beat Kentucky. That's love. Now, wait a minute. This is about Jesus. All right, let's do that clap. Some of you are like, yeah, I feel convicted now, right? But I love that. <laughs> it's the weather. I like the weather. <laughs> but what is love? When we think about what God's love is and what his love for us is, sometimes we mess up on that. 
we begin to have the wrong understanding of God's love. But I want you to get this. Every action of God is loving. But we might not like the action. Now, let's just think through that for a moment. We might not like the way he does things. But it is very, very loving. Now, we can think about love between two people. Two lovers, husband and a wife. We can think about love between friends. We can think about love of a family. We can think about love of a country. We can think about love of a hobby. We can think about tough love. You've experienced that before, right? Or maybe you've had to do it. But when we think about the love of God, we have to understand that his love, in a sense, floods the world. And what I mean by that is I want you to picture a huge valley in the mountains and all of a sudden it fills up with water and is dammed up at the end. That water never recedes, no, never goes anywhere. It's just there. That is God's love. Limitless, powerful, constant, and continual. But let's kind of get more to this, what this love is thing and what it looks like. I'm sorry? Unconditional. Unconditional. That's right. We're going to deal with that. You stole half my sermon. Thank you. <laughs> let's pray. Team, come up. <laughs> But let's deal with this. First, chap, first John chapter 4, we're going to be in verse 10. Notice what happens here. Because he gives us an incredible definition. He says, this is love. And here's the definition. This is love. Not that we loved God, because that's not it. Because let's just be real. Our love of God is very much tainted. We love God for what he can do for us a lot of times. Y'all been there? We love God for how we feel we love God for if we enjoy the music or the preacher we love God or if I have enough money in my account and if I'm healthy all of those are very poor contradictory definitions to what the Bible says this is what love is not that we this is love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins we're going to be right there in that verse we're going to tear it to pieces this morning y'all ready for this Here's the first thing we got to understand about God's love and what it means. Number one, he loves first. Now, there are aspects to this. There are layers to this. There's an understanding because when we think about him, him loving first, the manifestation of love is the action in which he presents himself. We're going to see that in a few moments. But he loves first. In his wisdom, in his jealousy, in his wrath, his unchanging nature is all loving. But I want you to get a couple of things here as this is layered. The first thing I want you to get about him loving first is his love is never influenced. Now, that's a big deal because your love and my love for other people is constantly and consistently influenced on how that other person performs or acts, right? We try, but the reality is how we love others is based upon performance, not so with God. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, notice what happens just a few verses down. It says, we love because he first loved us. But even more so, if we go back to the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, and he talks about his relationship in the Old Testament with the Jewish people, it says this, the Lord did not set his affection on you, meaning the Jews, and chose you because you were more numerous than the other peoples, for you were the fewest of the peoples. Instead, go to the next verse, but in verse 8, but it's because the Lord, what? loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with his mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery from the power of pharaoh king of egypt here's the point his love for people his love for you is influenced by what you do 
That is incredibly good news for us because what we do is make fools of ourselves. His love is uninfluenced, but it's also, and I want you to get this, and I want you to understand the depths of this, and I wish, I'm going to have my podcast published in the morning, and you'll, we'll go deeper into this stuff, but his love is also incredibly sovereign. Well, what does that mean? It's his choice to love. He chooses you. That's an important aspect to love, Right? I mean, we've heard stupid things like the heart doesn't choose what the brain knows is right sometimes. But in God's power, in his provision and in his sovereignty, he chooses perfectly. But there's more to the story. Flip one page over, one chapter over, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Notice what happens here. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. This is the theme of the book, really, of 1 John. God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. What does that mean? God's love is completely, in how he chooses to love first, his love is completely pure. I mean, there's no, motive, there's no underlying motivation here. I mean, we've all been treated nice by people and thought, hey, they've got something behind the scenes, and I've got to be very careful because they're manipulating the situation to get what they want. Y'all thought those things before, right? You've gotten the phone calls late evening during dinner. It's like, hey, how are you doing today? And it's like, oh, here we go, you know? But in God's providence and his perspective, his love is completely pure in his intentions and his purposes and how he acts. His actions are both loving and completely righteous, even when we don't agree with them or don't like them. They're perfect. But there's another aspect to this. Get this. And this is what I want you to understand. His love is limitless what do we mean by limitless well there are, this is multifaceted and I wish we had more time but his limitless love means I love that song we just sang a few minutes ago there's, there's no shadow he won't what light up mountain he won't what climb up running after you there's no wall he won't say it kick down I don't know what the words are <laughs> I just love it <laughs> And there's, I mean, he leaves the one, or leaves the 99 to go get the one, right? That's the limitless love of God. And when we think we're at the end of it, we're not. There's a limitless, pure love. Here's the best way I can think through it. Because this is manifested, obviously, in the cross, and we'll see it in just a few moments. But, you know, how people define what a baby is is irrelevant. But when we think about a baby being in the womb, there's a choice we make before we know that child is that we're going to choose to love it. That's the choice I made. And this is before, before the baby was actually screaming in my house and then later became teenagers. <laughs> you choose to love that baby, not based upon what it does, what it can do for you. You choose, right? And when we think about God's love and how he chose to love first. That word agape is what's the Greek translation of the word. It means it's, it's selfless love. It's not based upon him and what he can get out of it necessarily, but about you. It's, it's the most beautiful kind of love that we can think of, and he chose to love first. And man, all we stand around is just these filthy people. That's a grace-giving love that we don't deserve, people. But there's more to the story.
Go back to verse 10 in, in 1 John chapter 4. Notice what happens here. Let's read it again. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved. There's an important word right there. It's two letters. What is it? Us. Now let's deal with this. When we think about God's love for us, this is something that we have read about, thought about, but I want you to understand something here. When we go back, let's leave the verse, let's, let's go back to the verse in verse 10. The Apostle John says, this is love. That word love is defined in the Greek text, and that's what the New Testament is written in, as a love that is continual and constant. It's limitless and it's pure. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 gives a beautiful illustration of what that looks like. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, the Apostle Paul writes these words, and hope does not put us to shame because what? God's love has been what? Poured out into our hearts, meaning that overflow, that pouring, that saturation, that valley filled with water is constant, continual, and never runs dry. That is the pouring out of God's love here. And when we think about God loving us, we have to understand there is a limitless, pure unmerited love he has for us that is unfathomable that is not performance oriented now we read a little further go back to first john chapter 4 verse 10 go back to the verse on the screen this is love it's constant it's saturating it's powerful it's selfless and it's not that we love god but that he loved now that word right there means it's a love that is manifested in what he does you've heard the words put your deeds to action this is him acting he does something. He does something with this powerful, limitless, pure, incredible love is that he pours it on you. He pours it on us. Now, there are three layers to this us word. Layer number one is the love that he shows to the world. It's the love that he shows to creation itself. This is an undeserved love because even if we look in the news cycle right now, there's a lot of atrocities happening. Agreed? And there's a lot of atrocities happening in your own home, in our own community. It's everywhere. But yet, he looks at all of that and says, I love you. Now, when we think about this unmerited value that we have, we have to understand this in the context of mercy. Mercy is what all human beings benefit by just being human beings. Let me give you a couple illustrations of what mercy is. What mercy is. Everybody breathe in and out for a moment. You did it. Good. If you didn't, call me. We have nurses on hand. You know what I'm saying? You are given oxygen and you exist, and that is all God's mercy. Have you laughed before? That's God's mercy. Have you had a good day? That's God's mercy. Are you alive? That's God's mercy. Now, I go to the gym. I do. I'm not lying every now and then and supposedly if you're a good gym person and there's some of you who are great gym people um, you, 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 you're supposed to work out on a machine now Steven works out at that same gym he does not do what I'm about to tell you so don't go when he goes um, is that when you get through working out on a machine you're supposed to wipe it down with sanitation cloths right Steven uh, I'm kidding I'm sure he does <laughs> but you're supposed to wipe it down. So you get the little spray thing, you and then you wipe it down for the next person. Now, do I get any benefit of doing that? No. In fact, it kind of breaks up my workout routine. I want to get in there and get done before the real muscle heads come in and I feel less than. You with me? You wipe it down. It's for the next person. I'm showing them mercy. I'm showing them something. I don't know them. I just hope 
my nastiness doesn't wear off on what come off on them and vice versa that's the God, kind of love God has for creation it's an undeserved mercy but there's another layer to it go back to 1 John chapter 4 1 John chapter 4 verse, 9, verse 10 this is a love not that we love God but that he loved us now when John talks about this in 1 John he's talking about the body of Christ meaning the church those who know Jesus when we look at it from a biblical perspective in a wide in, 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 over, over the course of a you know millennia or creation itself we understand John 3.16 for God so loved the what? world so he loves everybody but there's a special grace love that he has for the body of Christ what does that mean? if you know Jesus you're in the body of Christ you've received grace which is far different than mercy grace is getting God's favor and promise and redemption and one day heaven through Jesus and you and I don't deserve it and that's the message we proclaim through the gospel there's a great love that God has for you Christian it's not more or less than but it is a position that we get to have when we know Jesus that's a wonderful love we know this from 1 John, it says brothers and sisters as he addresses them in different parts of the text. Or my dear, dear children, as you saw in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. We don't have to perform for this love, but we get it because of Jesus. Make sense? One more aspect. When we boil it down, I want you to understand there's also an incredible individual love he has for you personally. Now this is profound for a lot of reasons. He knows everything about you. Now, I want you to think about that. There's no one in your life that knows everything about you. Everything you've done wrong, every thought you've had, everything you've said, every gossip you've spread, every moment of anger, frustration, bitterness. Yet, God has an incredible love for you personally. Guys, that is a depth of God's love that is continual and manifested in his actions through the person of Jesus that we don't deserve. This is a love for us that in many aspects we forget about. We talk about God being loving all the time. And we would faint to know that he doesn't love us. But do we appreciate that love? Do we use it as a motivation? Do we use it as a point of thanksgiving? There's one more thought to this, and I want you to turn to Luke chapter 15, verse 8 through 10. We'll throw it up on the screen for you. But I want you to read this. Jesus is communicating here, and he says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Now, the passage previous to this is what we sang just a moment ago about how the man leaves 99 to find the one sheep. And Jesus says this at the end. In the same way I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Why? Here's what I want you to get here. And this is a depth of God's love we fail to recognize. Are y'all ready for this? He ties his happiness to us. 
Now think through that for a moment. Us knowing Christ brings joy to the Father. That is why we say there's a reckless love of God. That's a bold love, right? This says that God the Father attaches that love to you for his joy. And honestly, many times, I know I'm not bringing a lot of joy. Y'all? That is a profound love, amen? Let's go deeper. Go back to first chapter, uh, First John chapter 4, verse 10. Notice what happens here. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. This is the love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sins. Now, we dealt with this last week. When we use that little phrase, atoning sacrifice, it's literally translated propitiation. That's a big Bible word. What does propitiation mean? We dealt with it last week. Propitiation means this, is that God's wrath is absorbed in the person of Jesus Christ for our sins, meaning he took the wrath of God for us. Christ became an atoning sacrifice sacrifice make sense this is a big deal here people don't miss this and here's what's so profound about this he has a love that loves first he loves us but listen to me its greatest manifestation is that he gave jesus now we know this we believe this right god loves me so much he gave us jesus but we are so flippant about it think through this for a moment we are i am i forget this he's flooded us with his love and he gives us graciously the person of jesus because he loves but yet chip wheeler here boy i forget that sometimes or I just say, yeah, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me what, so. But if this is real to me and real to you, we have to let this sink in and change us, guys. This is why we act in certain ways. Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read this fast, but I want you to absorb it slow. I don't know how you're going to do that. Romans chapter 8, verse 34 through 39. It's kind of a lengthy passage, but I think it speaks. It's one of the greatest, to me, one of the greatest passages uh, written. If I only had one passage to preach my whole life, it'd probably be this one in Luke chapter 15. But I want you to get this. If I can get my fingers to flip over there to it. Starting in verse 34. Who then is the one that condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As is written, for your sake we face death all day long. And we're considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than what? Conquerors. Well, does that, that doesn't mean you're going out and conquering anything. That means Christ is conquered and you get to tag along. Isn't that good? you win you are more than conquerors through him who loves us for I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor empowers neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation would be able to separate us from the what love of God here's the point Jesus gave himself 
because of a great love he specifically had for you, for the body of Christ, for the church, and he loved you first. And that is lasting. Has it, listen to me, has it changed you? Is it changing you? Do we dwell on it? Do we let it move us forward? In those moments when we feel like that we are nothing, are we dulled by the reality that Christ loves us? And that is a godly, righteous, sovereign, uninfluenced, pure love that says, you're mine, not because of you, because of me. That's a big love, guys. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 27. We started out this series talking about the knowability of God. This love is manifested in the reality that you get to know God. Get, get what Paul writes here. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. What does that mean? You're part of the family now. Because of Christ, you are deeply and wonderfully loved. So how does this apply? Because it's great to be loved, right? We all want to be loved. And we all do some stupid things to get love, right? I mean, think about the love songs we got out there. Uh, the one I go back to is, is an old-time country song. Some of you kids are going to be like, quit, pastor. But Sorry, I'm not up on pop as much. But Randy Travis, man, he says, my love is deeper than the what? Holler. Stronger than the river, higher than the pine trees, whatever. <laughs> I have yet to make met, meet anyone who loves like that. I, I've yet to meet. And I've yet to meet anyone or even myself that's pure in their love. There's always something underneath, except for Jesus. And that's the profound thing about you and me and our journey, is that as we go through stuff, Understand there's a loving God with us. As we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Amen. listen to me, there's a loving God with us. As we're confused, there's a loving God with us. So the big overarching thought is this. Are we willing to acknowledge God's love in all circumstances of our life? That's it. What are we going to do? So let me give you three thoughts here because I'm out of time. Number one, as far as application, choose love over fear. What does that mean? The fear for most of us is that we're, we're afraid of being known, being vulnerable with our God. Guess what? He knows all about you. He knows stuff that you don't know about you. So don't let fear keep you from running after God. We can also label this as pride. We can label this as many things but following number two choose love over hate well, what does that mean guys one of the easiest emotions is hatred you know that right and that's manifested in gossip which is entertainment if we chose you know first john is all about loving other people when we chose to choose to love rather than hate imagine the significance and the impact that <laughs> last one you ready choose jesus and his love for us in all circumstances can we choose Christ in all circumstances? Amen. However, it's tough. 
here's the reality and here's the promise you get to have this morning is that when we don't choose it Christ still chooses you in his great love for you this morning you may be here and you don't know that love you've never asked Christ to come into your life I want to encourage you to take the step of faith this morning to get information about that you do it in two ways one on the connect card you're given there's a box you can check that says today I want to know Jesus I want to get baptized even and if that's you check that off hand it to me as we walk out the door or drop it in the offering box or two you can text in the phrase I need Jesus to the number on the screen that's going to send you a link back fill it out real quick it'll come to my email and we'll have a conversation but take the steps necessary to understand that Christ has paid it all so that so that you can know that love and experience it in a real way let's pray together father we love you and Jesus in all things give us the strength give us the tenacious ability and the peace and the presence of mind to experience that love daily as we seek you as we follow you as we long for you Lord that you would move Lord that you would bless Lord that you would work so thank you Jesus for grace and thank you for love this morning that is not a love that we deserve but a love that you chose to love first so may we celebrate that and may it change us thank you Christ for the death and the resurrection in Jesus name